Big Fluffy. What's your name, sweetheart? Peyton. Peyton, that's cute. Hi, Peyton. Oh, that's cool. Like, like Peyton Manning? No, oh, dude. It's like Walter Peyton, right? No, Peyton Rouse. Who's that? He won the Nobel Prize. For what team? In medicine. <laughs> He's not even a football player. That's stupid. Stupid is a mean word. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. Isn't. Is. Isn't. Is. Isn't. Why is it? Both of you. If you smell what the rock is cooking. Hey, everybody. I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver lining. And we are continuing the Wrestling Movie Month or Movies Starring or About Wrestlers Month, which I think is the official title with all the hems and haws in mm-hmm. there. Uh, we should have we should have workshopped that ahead of time. <laughs> uh, but this it would have been remiss on our part to go through a month of movies starring or about wrestlers and not do one featuring the one, the only Dwayne The Rock Johnson and his final movie as Dwayne The Rock Johnson. The game plan. I mean, he'll always be Dwayne The Rock Johnson in our hearts, but... Well, yeah. But it's the last time he gave Vince McMahon money (laughs) to make a movie. Right. Uh, It was also randomly... I read this and I'm going to share it. It's not terribly interesting, but it was also apparently the last time Buena Vista Pictures was used. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was really the end of an era in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, I remember seeing that Buena Vista logo before a lot of VHS tapes that I rented back in the day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. Yeah, it's. Oh, go ahead. I was. It's funny. I was thinking about this, uh, just because like this era of The Rock's career is really fascinating to me because you know he he came to Hollywood in what 2002 I think he made the Scorpion King and then, um, his early career is very bizarre because it was a lot of like Disney family movies and sort of stuff that was like okay he made that movie with stifler the rundown and he made a walking tall remake that was pretty good but everything was just like nothing really worked the way that it should have like and he was so charismatic but like just couldn't really find his footing for a long time Yeah, yeah he went the kindergarten cop route before doing like the predator and commando and terminator like right yeah yeah and he went quickly to the you know, did that, did the Tooth Fairy, did a few other family-friendly fare. Escape to Witch Mountain. Right. Yeah. and the, But it's funny, too, because in a lot of ways, it kind of mirrors his WWE career, where he debuted in the WWE as, you know, Rocky Maivia, third-generation superstar, and it was like, he's, look at him, he's upbeat and smiling, and he's a lovable, nice guy, and people booed him. Yeah, like, like what's, his, what's his gimmick? He's a third-generation wrestler. That's not a gimmick. What's his yeah. gimmick? <laughs> third-generation wrestler. But it's it's this interesting thing where it's like, in both cases... They didn't know what to do with him creatively. And then he just hung around long enough and was so charismatic that eventually one day it clicked into place and he became 
one of the biggest WWE superstars of all time and now is like one of the like highest paid and successful actors. One of the highest grossing actors in the world. Yeah. So it's just funny that it's like you never can bet against him, but also like it, it does feel like those early but, stages, there's like a weird adjustment period. Yeah, he is. He is a long position. He is not a day trader stock. He is IRA style investments. You know, you want to long term yield is what the rock deal is, not not uh, short term returns. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they call him the rock, because he just sits there and like slowly potential. over. Yeah. <laughs> like slowly over time. All right. But yeah, so that that's sort of the groundwork. This was 2007 that this movie came out. Uh, it is the game plan. If you haven't seen it, trust me, you're, you, we'll, we'll do a quick recap. But the plot is um, it's the most <laughs> family Disney movie ever. So, yeah, it's it's all of the tropes. So he plays. Uh, what is it? Uh, what's his the his character's name? It's like I know He's it has King in Joe it. Joe Kingman. Yeah, Joe Kingman, and he is Tom Brady. Pretty much, he's right. the quarterback but, for a but without the wins. He's yeah. Tom Brady blended with Peyton Manning a little bit, and then his daughter's name is Peyton. So there's right. there's definitely something. But so he is the quarterback for a fictional Boston NFL team that can make it to the playoffs, but has never won the championship. Uh, and he Just can't, like everyone wishes the Patriots were. <laughs> right. And he can't win because he's too selfish. He tries to do it all himself. He doesn't trust his receivers. He tries to do, you know, he tries to run in the ball on his own. Uh, and so that is his fatal flaw. Enter his eight-year-old daughter who shows up on his doorstep that he didn't know he had. And uh, so it's one month before the Super Bowl, he has to watch her for a month. You know, hilarity and su- she's super into ballet and she doesn't know about football. And so they're, man, they're from two different worlds and those worlds are going to collide. And if you are wondering, does The Rock end up having to do ballet at some point? You know that he does, you know. Does the little girl have to wear a football helmet at some point? You know that she does. Also, haven't mentioned it, but you probably guessed this. Does he have a weird little dog that is both like... Uh, a source of comic relief and kind of the heart of the movie at the end, like really tugs at your heartstrings when it like goes into the little girl's room after she's taken back away from him. Cause you knew that was going to happen too. Right. Like, yeah, this, this movie ticks all the boxes. And I just want to say kudos game plan for finally breaking down the barrier between football and ballet. Cause that's literally never been touched before in a thousand different properties. <laughs> Yeah, well, also, they broke new ground there, and they broke new ground in uh, putting a wrestler in some kind of ballet outfit, because that's never happened before. I can't think of a single example. Especially, like, in a parenting-type situation? Yeah, where he's some kind of nanny. Yeah. (laughs) That would never work. Yeah. And it didn't. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And can you imagine a selfish, you know, self-centered, egotistical, hotshot athlete being brought down to earth by a precocious child. I mean, that's never happened before either. No. Also, get this. So this is a, a crazy thing they do in this movie. So he's kind of a ladies man at the beginning of the movie. And we, and we see one of the women that just kind of shows up, you know, to, you know, to when she's in town, she stops by his, his luxury apartment. So get this. She tries to show up while he's watching his daughter 
And at first, you know, like, it, and this is at a point when it seemed like he had turned a corner and he was starting to become a better person. But, you know, he's, he wants to try to be with this girl, this woman, obviously. So, he's, right. he tries to pawn off his daughter. And then, you know, the daughter, like, hilarity ensues. She, she inserts herself into the scene. And then, ultimately, he realizes he'd rather be with her. So, there's a lot. A lot of new, a lot of new uh, Since we're talking about his his uh paramour tatiana uh one of the imdb trivia facts is just the dumbest thing i've ever read <laughs> i read that um, too yeah so this is this is word for word what it says in the imdb trivia for that tatiana is not a french name it is a russian one the actress playing her does a russian accent yet the rocks character talks to her in french this is yet another sign of Hollywood's blatant francophobia, misleading to imply she is French, as she is a nasty character who is mean to his daughter. The only thing true in that statement is that her name was Tatiana and she was doing a Russian accent. Yeah. Well, also, famously, famously, Hollywood has never portrayed Russians unflatteringly. No, so, never like, once. So I understand that, like, given the choice of, like, if you're going to make someone a villain, well, they're not going to make the, the villain Russian. Who would believe right. that? Not in America. <laughs> and and the extent of him talking French to her is he says bonsoir. Right. Which is also because, like, he's trying to get laid. <laughs> Right. He's trying to be fancy. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. It's like, not like they have a conversation and she speaks French back to him. He he says a phrase. <laughs> Barely a phrase. Yeah. A, a, sm- a short greeting that non-French speakers will use from time to time. Like, ah, uh, I love IMDb. I think it's a great site. It's been an invaluable resource to the show. But that is the dumbest thing I've ever read. Like that. Yeah, I, it makes you wonder. I, I don't know what their vetting process is for these trivia, like, because that is nothing. That is absolutely that, yeah, nothing. Yeah, that is a non-thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm glad someone finally stepped up and called out Hollywood's classic francophobia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. In the same week that we're canceling Pepe Le Pew, like, this all makes so much sense. Well, and a lot of that stems from the fact that, you know, we can't stand Jerry Lewis and the fact that they kept his career going. Dude. Right. Yeah. That we were like, yeah. no. Yeah. Americans did not make him one of the most successful movie comedians of all time. Not even stand, a little bit. We couldn't stand him. Yeah. Hated every second. Mm-hmm. He was not able to run one of the most successful TV telethons in history for decades that preempted a whole day's worth of programming every Labor Day weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Stupid French people. <laughs> If I could have a plate of freedom fries right now to calm my nerves, I would totally do that. Yeah, they really are the dolphins of people. Yeah. When I think, I bet you the dolphins are like French. Like that's dolphin. Like that's just a French sounding word. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like, I mean, honestly, dolphins are just like French. (laughs) Like they're in black and white. They're, you know, they're kind of standoffish. Inveterate chain smokers. Exactly. Yeah. I've never seen a dolphin use deodorant. I mean, it it all, <laughs> you know, all of those totally true French stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the country that has a corner on the perfume market 
hasn't invented deodorant. Oh, well, and God. the shame is that is Hollywood is so mean to France and France, like people in France love Americans. They love, love when them. Americans come to visit. That's their favorite. If you're an American in Paris, like, and I don't know, your name's Emily. Like, they'll, they'll greet you with open arms. They Just they love nothing you. more than to, than to welcome Americans. And to, especially if you don't speak any French, oh, then that's an opportunity for them. Because they get to practice their English, and that's something that they love mm -hmm. more than anything else. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk about the game plan. Um, yeah, this movie is very paint-by-numbers, very treacly. It, like, it ticks all the boxes of that we sort of hit on and, and sort of facetiously commented on. Um, but, yeah, it's it's that's I don't know what else to say about it. Maybe you have something specific to target to to pinpoint. And I mean, with some of the others. Well, just yeah. I mean, the reasons to malign it are are kind of obvious. I will say, I did you like I I felt a little like so at the end. So and again, I, I guess this is a spoiler, but I don't. I think this movie is spoiler proof because you're gonna see every move coming well before yes. it happens. But so they get to the championship game, and he. At that point, he's already, you know, like um, his daughter has been taken back from him and he's very sad about it. And so he's not playing well. And then she comes to see him. I don't know how. I have no idea how one she got to the stadium because I it seemed like the game was in Arizona. And I'm pretty sure that she was in New England at the beginning of it. But then she, like teleported to Arizona by the end. It did seem like she was in New England at the beginning of the game. Like that did it, seem like to be because she thing. was watching it on a TV, and then at halftime she was in Arizona. So I'm not sure how that happened, but uh, but then also, so she gives him a pep talk, and they decide to stay together, and he's going to keep raising her, and then he goes out and finishes the game. But I was very confused. What was the score of the game? Like it was very somehow they only like. <laughs> It was implied that he had a terrible game. He couldn't get anything to work. And then his backup came in who did even worse than him. But somehow it was a seven, like, I guess a six point game and they could uh, win with a touchdown. So I know that in the first half, it was seven, three. Okay. Um, in favor of the New York Dukes, a mm -hmm. uh, storied football franchise that wins all the time. The, the New York Dukes. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think they implied that the score was still 7-3. So this was just a defensive struggle. I guess, yeah, that like nobody was able to. But but they also like, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I missed it. But like, I feel like they didn't really show the score or make it clear what the score was. Like when he came out In the out second there. half, they did not. Yeah. No, they, they, they certainly didn't. Um, I guess implying that it was probably still seven, three regardless, it was clear that, that this was a game winning drive that he had to go 60 yards in about a minute and four seconds. Well, it was, but only because they were just like, you know, we only have a minute, but yeah, like again, I, I mean, it's, it doesn't matter because I mean, the beats are there for the story, but I just found myself being like, what is the score right now? Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's fine. It's, and yeah. you know, if you don't get out of bounds and you don't have a timeout, you spike the ball. You don't right. run another play. I did think that too. Yeah. that Because that's a whole thing where the guy doesn't get out of bounds and they, yeah, they, you would have run out of, because it literally, yeah, it was a minute and they had to go like the whole length of the field. Yeah. They, they had to go, they had a long field to go in, in a, in a minute, which isn't impossible, but. But no, you, you run up to the ball and spike it so you can call a play. Like you don't have time to set a play while the clock right. is running. 
Uh, and it only costs you one down and it's not going to matter anyway. But that's that's neither here nor there. Also, no. fun fact uh, that I did read also, I didn't, maybe on IMDb, I don't remember where I read this, but obviously they, they couldn't get like the NFL licensing for this. They tried, but they couldn't work it out. So they made up the teams. But uh, this came out in 2007 and then... Uh, the following year. So at the end of the regular season, they play New York and then they play New York again in the finals. That really happened in 2008. Right. Like, Except the Patriots were the New York Dukes and they yeah. completed the perfect undefeated season, but then yeah. lost to New York in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So it was kind of inverted, but like, yeah. So, that, you know. Uh, that's art imitating life, imitating art. Football's mm-hmm. fake. WWE. Yeah, oh, football is definitely fake. I mean, go go read about that Tom Brady tuck rule. Yeah. Yeah, they made that up. Like, have you tried to catch a football? They have to have, like, magnets on their hands or something. Like, it's... Yeah. No one's ever caught a football. It's all CGI. Yeah. It's all CGI. <laughs> Even back... Those games that happened in, like, the 20s and 30s didn't actually happen. Yeah, they got... It was like, in the 60s and 70s, it was just uh, Kubrick, you know, he, he right. was heavily involved. And when he wasn't doing the moon landing, he... Right, he did NFL games. Yeah. that. How else do you think NFL films got created? Come on, people. Sheeple. <laughs> yeah, wake up, sheeple. And if, um, you watch, if you watch The Shining, there's a lot of references to football in there. Yeah, I mean, the pattern on the carpet, it's clearly football-shaped. Yeah. And I mean, room 237, that's a safety, a field goal, and a touchdown. So, yeah. you know, to add it up. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> like the three ways you can score in football. <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much. I, I feel like we don't need to really talk more about why it's maligned. I feel like it's pretty obvious. Um, oh, some of the stuff. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Go ahead. But the I, prank war I thought was really tacked on and dumb. Like yeah. I, those jokes didn't land for me. Yeah, it was kind of nothing, and it like, didn't seem like they were terribly interested in it when they kept trying to prank a T.J. Miller type, which I think is the actor's name. Yes. Well, there's also probably my biggest problem with this movie because when we get to the the pivoting and the silver linings, like there, there's a lot to like about this movie, but. I had this and I think I even texted you because like I was enjoying it and it was predictable, but it was fun. And then it kind of hit this point where it seemed like it was like the end of act two, like we were about to turn the corner and kind of head into the third act of the movie. And I looked and there was an hour left and I was like, what? Yeah, this movie is an hour and 51 minutes long, which is too long for this type of movie. I will say watching it. Like, unless I looked at the clock, it like things were moving along at a reasonable pace. But at the same point, when like it sort of hit the climactic point, and I'm like, is, is there just, did they just pack all the blooper reels into the credits at the end? Or, yeah, it, it's like, it, 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 for me, like, yeah, I, I feel like the 20 minutes, and I do think you should take 20 minutes out of this movie, should have, like, the 20 minutes that you cut out of this movie should have come from that last hour <laughs> of just mm-hmm. like, yeah, because like it feels like we're finally building towards a thing. And then it's just I don't know, it gets a little redundant, I feel like, where it's nothing is like obvious that like where you can point to a scene and be like, just cut this scene. But like there are a lot of scenes that are kind of serving the same purposes where it's like he's kind of growing a little bit, but he's still selfish. And like he's sort of a teammate, but not quite there yet. And he's bonding with his daughter, but also not. And it's like there's like just 
four or five different scenes that are all kind of the same thing in a row. Right. And that's, I think, another problem with this movie is from the top, I feel like the movie isn't ready to make the rock rock's character despicable enough. Right. Like he's part of it's the rock's charisma. He's a likable guy. Um, also one of the most effective bad guys in wrestling in history. He's able, he's, he, he can pull it off, but um, they just never like fully go all in on him being. What's well, also because it's the Dis- I feel like that's the Disney part of it too, is that they don't. Yeah, wanna- I think that's, but I mean, they've been redemptive. I mean, like if you look, think, let, let's say the mighty ducks, they're hot in the news with their brand new Disney plus show. Quack, quack, um, Mr. Ducksworth. Yeah. Uh, Gordon Bombay is a jerk. And you see him soften like he's no redeeming qualities at the top of that movie. And he definitely gets redeemed. And that and that's a as archetypal a Disney paint by numbers feel good story. As that's is. fair. Yeah. No, fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. They, the Rock, like they needed to make him a little bit more like he was very selfish, but like in pretty mundane ways. I think if they had just been willing to make him more actively so I also think that was part of it too. It's like he he kind of embraced his daughter a little too early, I think, and that's why it felt like it was a little too long. Of within like twenty thirty minutes, he's letting her tag along on everything, and they really are kind of bonding. When he maybe should have been more standoffish early. Yeah, and I I don't want to say that this movie was too subtle. Um, <laughs> no, that's not the case. No. But it was weird where, like, it was just weird moments where they played things closer to the chest than they needed to. Like, it felt like they wanted to make the idea, like, the game plan being the title and the game plan of how you do things being a theme in the movie. And, like, they almost hit it hard, but then, like, they would be like, okay, we're going to forget about it. And they just, they wouldn't, it waffled a lot, I guess is what I'm going to, rather than saying that it was being too subtle. But it waffled with, like, and there was just inconsistency timeline-wise with... Like, how is he actually warming up and changing? Is it like a Scrooge McDuck thing or, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge thing? Uh, Scrooge McDuck sticking <laughs> with Disney. Um, is it, you know, that it's like an overnight thing where he realizes it? Because they could have driven that home that, you know, this precocious, adorable little Moppet uh, just melts his heart immediately. And he's, you know, Mr. Dad or uh, Morris Chestnut's character could have been more of a mentor to him for how to be a good father. Like there were relationships they could have explored that they didn't. Yeah. Um, maybe that's it is that there's a lot of things introduced that are in these kind of movies, but it probably didn't need all of them. And it probably would have been better served to focus in on. Yeah. Do you want to have the guy? Cause that's the whole thing with that character is he made fun of him for being a family man when he was single. And then like, you know, it's sort of teased at of like, you know, but yeah, so you could have leaned more into that or you could have leaned more into, I mean, they do the ballet thing and then there's almost just like a throwaway line where one of the announcers is like, that was a very graceful leap that he does where it's like right. trying to show that the ballet helped his football game, but that's such a throwaway thing. Like there's just, you maybe do less, but do more with that less, I think. Like, yeah. And I I just feel like there's probably I'm going to guess that they shot a lot of footage that didn't get used for this movie. I'm going to I just feels like and they piece together a story, but maybe they were just the maybe the filmmakers were waffling on what to do, because like 
they should. I feel like they probably should have dialed down a little harder on the budding romance with he and Rosalind Sanchez, or dialed it up. That's kind of how I feel about everything. <laughs> like, well, or dialed in more on it. Well, yeah. I, I think is what I was trying to say. I think they should have, yeah. like, there should have been very clear that this is a romance, or very clear that it wasn't. And either choice is okay, but I think they had to. They didn't pick a lane, right? Yeah, because they go out to they go out to dinner once, and then it's sort of dropped. You know, like right, and and Rosalind Sanchez, who is so not a football fan that she does not recognize one of the biggest celebrities in the city. Well, that's and I, I mean that's another thing too of when you talk about inconsistencies is I feel like the movie couldn't decide how famous he was because it, this is like the the month leading up to the Super Bowl and he's getting a lot of media coverage and early on it's sort of addressed of like like Kira Sedgwick's character exists because of the PR implications of him suddenly having a daughter and and whether or not he's a good father and that sort of plays out in the beginning but then i don't know he's taking these ballet classes and he performs on stage in ballet with as the you, whole team there with the whole team there and there is no media coverage of that. Like, that's not picked up by anybody. You know, there's a right. lot of stuff in the middle of the movie that feels like in this reality that you created that if he's this famous, he wouldn't be able to go anywhere with his daughter. Like, because his daughter also has a thing where she's allergic to nuts and then she has like a a reaction and she ends up in the hospital. That's not the media doesn't figure that out. He's in a public restaurant. He picks her up, runs through the streets of the city, carrying her and nobody notices that either. And then checks her into a hospital. Like, so it's like, he's super famous in the beginning and everything he's done is scrutinized. And then in the middle and like later in the movie, nobody's paying attention to him. Right. And and like, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, there is not a Bostonian who in 2007 didn't know who Tom Brady was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even if you're not a football fan, I mean, there are probably few people in America that didn't know who Tom Brady was. Um, and that's I'm, a lot of that's just how ubiquitous football is in American culture and everything. But yeah, it like he's getting profiles on ESPN. You know, he's won the Heisman Trophy. He's won in the league MVP. Well, he's, he's offered $25 million to endorse a fast food restaurant. That's apparently how famous he is, that his endorsement is worth that much to them. Yeah, and I mean... Uh, Fanny's Burgers doesn't need endorsement. I mean, if you've had their sandwiches, like that's yeah. Don't don't let the bad press fool you. I know that there are people out there that will say that it's bad for children and that it gives you gas, but that is completely unfounded. And I yeah. I would welcome their sponsorship on this podcast. Yeah, if 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 Fanny's Burgers wants to sponsor Silver Linings Playback, please do. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, we don't care if you may make kids unhealthy and andy mcintyre you just recorded silver linings playback what are you gonna do now i'm going to fanny's burgers fuck yeah you are yeah that's right uh, print that just you can have that one that one's free yeah yeah that, the next one will cost you 25 million dollars <laughs> that one that one was free yeah um yeah i mean i feel like this movie just should have, I think, just dialed in more on being paint by numbers. Yeah. I feel like they're like, they were like, 
going all in and they're like, oh, but let's maybe not. Or, uh, one thing I'm really glad, and I, I don't, this doesn't count as a silver linings yet before our pivot. Um, I'm really glad that the ballet did not conflict with the football in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, no, that's because that would have been, yeah, if you had to pick between the dumb. Super Bowl. <laughs> because, you know, famously, a lot of ballet schools will schedule uh, their recitals during the Super Bowl because parents love that. Right. Parents love watching their little little princesses <laughs> dance uh, during the TV and social event of the winter. <laughs> uh, well, um, but I think what we're trying to say overall is release the Andy Fickman cut. You know? Yes. Yeah. Uh, just do it already. You've seen the online forums. You've seen people review bombing other movies to hope to get the Andy Fickman cut out. So let's let's get it out there. And I, I, for one, really want to see what this looked like in its original four three aspect ratio. Yeah, I think that would have made a lot of difference. Um, I think just the real vision. I mean, this was clearly a movie made for IMAX. Yeah. And, and it'd be so clear even on a regular TV set that. And if you get the four hour long cut with all of the plot lines, like just then it all makes more sense. Yeah. And, and this movie is definitely lacking mother boxes. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> all right i, I think um, we're i think we're good to pivot yeah let's let's pivot um i was i was happy to see morris chestnut i like him as an actor i'm gonna put that as a silver lining for me i think he um should get more work uh because i think he's very good at what he does um so i was happy to see him and i thought he playing like sort of the older elder statesman player kind of Button down life. I would like to have seen his character developed a little more, and I would like to see more of him. But when he was there, I was happy. Yeah, I, I'm with you that I would have dialed that up more. Maybe even like get to see him with his family, and maybe you know, it, like you could have even done something where he's always inviting uh, Kingsman over to his house to meet his family, and he never has, and then he finally brings his daughter there at the end or something. Like you really could have dialed that up and made that the heart of the movie, and I think that would have been very sweet. Because right. I'm with you, because of all the teammate stuff, that was the best plot line for sure. And the big climax is him hitting uh, Morris Chestnut's character Sanders in the end zone for the touch for the game winning touchdown which by the way like to your point too where like again i wouldn't call anything in this movie understated i was a little surprised they didn't hit that harder that like because up until that point the whole thing was that he would try to run into the end zone himself and i i i don't know i either wanted the announcers to really call it out more or you know like oh well now we know what's gonna happen now he's gonna make a dash he's for gonna the take it himself yeah or like maybe have him start to do it and then catch himself or just like i feel like of all the things to not slow down and really focus on that was one that they really did do understated and i thought that was really strange of like why be subtle here now yeah i and it's not even why be subtle. Like why, why not put it out? Like it wasn't, why not spell was, out what you're doing? <laughs> like, right. Like, cause that, I mean, that's what commentators do for good or for ill is they spell out the storylines. They spell out what's happening. You know, the through lines of the game. Uh, some people, the best commentators do it seamlessly. The worst ones do it with a sledgehammer. Um, but it's, it's every sports commentator. Like that's their job. Every sport, is to find the narratives, you know, and and go through all of that. So, and especially the that's Super Bowl played up, <laughs> yeah. Especially the Super Bowl because they're always looking for those human interest stories, yeah. Um, you know, to, to just add that. I mean, that's what the Olympics is predicated on: is finding 
human interest stories and all of these essentially anonymous phenomenal athletes that people don't know except for those every four years when they uh when they show up to compete um so yeah that was something i would have liked to have seen played up but we're talking silver linings um well peyton man she was she was a silver lining for me i thought she i liked her who oh the uh you're saying madison pettis like yes uh, madison pettis i couldn't think of her uh real name no i mean that to me like unequivocally the the two biggest silver linings are her and dwayne johnson of just oh yeah this movie is predictable but it rests on the shoulders of their charisma and they are both two of the most charismatic people on the planet uh yeah and this was her first movie and she she nails it because like i think a lot of what they're going for is kind of hinges on this idea that she's like him and i mean to ask anyone to be like the rock is right. a big ask and i think she does it like she you know and that's kind of why like the clip in the beginning i picked that clip of her because i i thought she was really charming and obviously there's like a bunch of clips of the rock being charming uh that we could have found but i thought that was a scene with her that was like cracked me up solely based on her just kind of like scrunching her face at the dumb football players and being like you guys are serious right now like right yeah, so that was fun. Um, but yeah, they're both really great. I also, I don't know, this I forget the one teammate's name, but the guy who just growled. Like, Oh, yeah, I liked him too. But the part where, like, The Rock sees he's got a little bit of food in the corner of his mouth and just starts dabbing it without thinking of it, that got a sincere, like, guffaw from me. <laughs> like, no, that was that was a quality moment. Yeah, um, I, yeah definitely. Yeah. Uh, he was essentially playing the Pedro Serrano role in this movie. Uh, yeah. To quote a much better sports paint by numbers cliche movie. But he was delightful. And when he also, um, you know, sort of lost it during the battle, because all the football players, you know, get this. Are you ready for this twist? They got really into the ballet. Like they were actually fully emotionally invested in it. And he in particular was very choked up at the ballet. Yeah. You know what? I don't care. Uh, how cliched that was that whole scene put a smile on my face oh, it i did. was happy it did through all yeah. of it um it because that was a moment where like they did it right like they everybody was good there was no humor from like there was humor like always oh, in this ridiculous costume sure they did that like in the backstage but then like the ballet was played totally sincerely the rock danced well the kids did danced well the teacher putting herself in her students presentation production a little weird uh i'm gonna say that but um you know and being kind of the star also a little weird well also a little weird that she put the rock that much in it like as a punishment right and not to like draw more eyes and attention on her dance studio to have the biggest celebrity in boston well she doesn't know who he is Right. Oh, duh. How could I forget? Um, <laughs> I also, I mean, I also really like Rosalind Sanchez as an mm-hmm. actress. Um, no, and she's, I mean, again, it's you, you know exactly what the dynamic is, but, but that works. Like they, they're both really charming together and her just whole, also like, I thought she was really sweet with Peyton that yes. like, like all the times when they were all together that like the care that she had towards like making sure like you are a blowhard. You think you're going to come into my studio and tell me how it's going to be. And I'm not going to allow that, but also I'm not going to punish your daughter who clearly 
loves right. ballet and wants to be here. Right. Yeah. It's every, it's every cliche. It's, you know, it is what it is, but I, I, I like Rosalind Sanchez. I thought that the cast in general was pretty good. Um, I mean, we already talked about, uh, a TJ Miller type and uh, Morris Chestnut. Well, yeah, and those are all. Kira Sedgwick understood exactly the assignment. Like she, yeah, she understood. She, she delivered. She, took yeah, the words on the page brought him to life in a really fun way. And that character could have been insufferable, but she found a way to. I thought they could have given her a little more heart or made her a little more evil. Yes. Again, I think it was another instance of waffling. Well, and again, like when she kissed the guy at the end, I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to make of this. Like, I, I don't feel like I understand right. this moment, and except that it's just like a weird thing to happen, you know? Right. Yeah. There's there's definitely a case of that. Um, I don't know. I mean, this is one of several movies we've watched for the podcast that you kind of know what to expect before you start watching it. And this movie... I think meets every expectation. And I think like if for, you know, obviously the intended audience would be for kids. Like if you're looking for a movie for like your kids to watch and you want to be somewhat entertained by it, I, I think that this is probably a good bet for like, you'll laugh a few times sincerely and it, you know, it'll, it'll work and it'll hit all the buttons and then they'll, you know, if they're kids, like normal kids, they'll want to watch it a hundred times and then you'll despise it. But like that first right. time, It'll be <laughs> enjoyable. Um, another thing I enjoyed, I don't know if it counts as a silver lining necessarily, but uh, the little hunk of hunk of burning love medley at the end, like over the credits, like that made me smile. That yeah. made me happy. Yeah. And that's actually, thank you. Cause I, I forgot to get into that, but that was one of the things I saw too that. So, I mean the rock, like Dwayne Johnson is a huge Elvis Presley fan in real life. And apparently it was his suggestion to make the character be a big Elvis fan and that a lot of the memorabilia displayed in uh, Kingsman's house is actually his. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was sort of a nice um, nod to arguably the rocks, like first big crossover when he hosted SNL in 2001, where he sang, are you lonesome tonight? Right. Uh, backed up by the big show, triple H and mankind, which was uh, delightful. Which, if you've never seen that, watch that on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Give that, go check that out. It's, it's exactly as great as you'd think it would be. Um, but then to have him sing that too. Uh, and I mean, that's a great song. Elvis is great. Yeah. And, uh, and rock, it fits really well with his personality. So like, and it made sense in the movie. Like it didn't feel like a vanity thing. It actually, I think, I think it enhanced the character cause it gave him this like very specific thing that sort of played into the ways that he was very bombastic and, and it was and, humanizing too. And was humanizing. Cause then also he could use it like to, to win back Peyton. And then like, I think she sort of implied that she had heard from her mother that that was a lot of what the mom liked about him too. Yeah. So, yeah so, all, I mean, that was all, a nice thing. Yeah. All of that was sweet. Um, I saw this that apparently this is the movie that The Rock met his second wife on. Yeah. Like that. So, they, you know, it's been a silver lining before. I think it's always a silver lining when people find love <laughs> while yeah. making these Finding movies. love is always a silver lining. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I really tried to dig. I, I didn't understand how they met. Like, I really tried to look for it because she's a musician and she doesn't act in the movie. I don't know if she worked on the soundtrack or something. I really could not find 
information for it, but they met somehow making this movie. So yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe she was a PA or something. She was because she's, I think, a decent amount younger than The Rock too. Maybe she helped with the Elvis like musical arrangement at the end or something. Like, because like I said, she has a musician background. So yeah, um, um, but no, that's. I think. I mean. We're we're never above giving behind the scenes stuff silver linings for this movie, and I think that yeah, you know, The Rock finding a new lease on love is always important. Yeah. Um, well, also speaking of music, I wrote this down because I don't know if this stuck out to you, but I, I caught it. So this movie uses the song "Mr. Blue Sky" to do a slow motion walk towards a camera. And then one of the people in that slow motion walk towards the camera stumbles a little bit and kind of undercut, like they look cool at first and then it's undercut by someone like kind of tripping up all things in various scenes and in different ways used by uh, James Gunn in guardians yeah. of the galaxy movies. And this came out like seven years before the first guardians of the galaxy. So I, I again, I'm in no way implying like James Gunn ripped this off or anything like that, but just oh, saying no. that like um, this movie had that in it well before guardians of like using Mr. Blue sky as a needle drop, using a slow motion walk towards the camera and then sort of undercutting that slow motion walk with an awkward like trip. Yeah. I, I don't know what it says about Hollywood or movies or whatever, but like when you have the sheer force of capitalism, that is the Walt Disney corporation behind you, like the music budget for this movie had to have been insane. Oh yeah. No, for sure. Like with all the Elvis songs with Mr. Blue sky, uh, you know, just a few other, just really a lot of really recognizable music you know pop songs things like that uh that if this movie was made by like even one tier down in studio strength would have had none of them right <laughs> <laughs> or like one would have just had hunk of burn and love at the end yeah you pick what you want and you use it well uh you know there's plenty of stories with indie filmmakers like it's like no i needed this song so we forewent a lot of other uh a lot of other music needle, you know, a lot of other needle drops throughout the movie to, to make sure I had this song. I think that's like seven trivia pieces on every Quentin Tarantino film from the nineties. <laughs> right. All right. So, I mean, do we, yeah, do we... I mean, it was kind of qu this a little short, but uh, you know, this movie is what it is, you know? So to use that ever popular phrase, <laughs> <laughs> the phrase normally used to describe, uh, you know, terrible people. Right. Uh, but you know exactly what you're going to expect. So, you know, if you're going to like this movie before it starts, I think. And I think you're going to be proven right either way. Uh, it's fun. You know, it definitely is not breaking any new ground. It's definitely not uh, changing the world in any major way. But. Uh, it's a fun, it's a fun, easy movie. Um, the Rock's likable. Madison Pettis is really likable. It's got some genuine moments of, I think, you know, happiness and a couple of good laughs. For a family comedy like this, I don't know what else more you want. Yeah, yeah, I I think we did it. And And hey, look, like The Rock... He made this, he made some other stuff, he found his footing, and then it, it all certainly worked out for him. Yes, he's he's doing all right. Yeah. 
And Madison Pettis continues to work too. So that's good. Yeah, she's she's uh, had a pretty successful career like making she did a lot of stuff with Disney Channel things and Yeah, it seems like she got into that Disney uh, you know, what once once she found a spot in Disney, she she stuck around. So Yeah, um I will say that it is jarring to see her as an adult after like just watching her as a 7-year-old. Like that Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that is a bizarre thing that um, apparently she does a lot of modeling for Savage Fenty now, which is great for her. Great. Like, I'm super yeah, happy. But her. but yeah, when you're doing research for your uh, your pop culture show where you're going to talk about this movie and uh, you're trying to Google everything and like get notes and stuff, it is a little jarring. <laughs> like, for sure. Just just and not in any negative way at all no. but just to just to, this is uh, you know a precocious little you know 8 9 year old moppet and then an adult woman yeah <laughs> and which, that's just cuz time moves in one direction that i mean yeah that it's yeah she's 23 now so like that's right. just math that's you know that's yeah i mean that's just how it works out but it's it's like cuz this movie looks good you know like it it if this like this movie wouldn't look that much better if it came out today, I feel like. Right. You know, like as far as general like camera lighting, all that. So yeah, all the the film work holds up. I will say the other tell is that The Rock doesn't look older, but at some point he decided to get way more swole. So like this is back when The Rock still was built like a human and not right a guy who looked like his arms can't rest by his side. Yeah, is when he started when he looked a little bit he was still in unbelievable shape. Well, a very muscular human, but a human. <laughs> right, not the tick. Yeah, exactly. Not like he's in Bruce Timm's Batman. Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um so I mean and like the some of the technology dates itself like cell phones things like that. Oh, they but, do have flip phones, yeah. Yeah, and Blackberries. But, but, but I mean, like, there have been other points where within a 13 year time or 14 year time span where you could really tell that 14 years had passed. Yeah. And I feel like that's not as much the case with this. Yeah. I also, I feel like it's a silver lining that they were forced to use fictional sports teams because if they had to use the real teams, there's always a chance that somewhere in those playoffs would have been the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, and oof, let me tell you, I'm glad they didn't even play a team from Miami. Yeah, because I would have been furious. I would, oh, I would have, I would have turned off the movie. I just said, Joel, we gotta, we gotta watch Suburban Commando instead. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and if there's one thing I know about Joel Murphy is that he will not watch Suburban Commando. I don't know no. if you know this about him, but that's I, his, that's his line in the sand. What was the one thing I said to you back last May when we launched this show? He said, "I will watch any movie." no matter how maligned, except for Suburban Commando. And that's my point. I said two things that you can always count on. Never watch Suburban Commando, and I will fight a dolphin for you if I have to. And those are the two and, guarantees. And that those those two things are the foundation of our friendship. So Yeah. And it really I mean it's a it's a real trolley problem if those two things like and if I had to pick one of them to happen, I could, really don't know what I would do. Could you imagine if a dolphin was forcing me to watch Suburban Commando? I could because they're they're monsters. 
Well, right. I mean, but what would you do in that? Would you try to just like daredevil it, go blindfolded or? Or shoot the hostage. If they... <laughs> <laughs> so they teach you, right? That's the right answer. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you have my back, Joel. Uh, Always. I don't, I don't know if I say that enough, but Always. I'm glad that you have my back. Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. How many times has this happened to you? I just want to listen to a podcast. I can't choose from all these complicated structures and setups. You want to listen, not think. That's why... There's Hobo Radio. You'll feel like the smartest guy in the room in a room by yourself. This doesn't take any intellectual thinking at all. Thanks, Hobo Radio. Hobo Radio, a weekly podcast on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network.